everybody, welcome back for episode 55 of That Scale RC Show. This is Jeremy here with Travis and Adam, and special guest this week, we have Randall Davis from Axial. How's it going, everybody? Great. Pretty good. Glad to be here. Doing good. All right, all right. <clears throat> so, um, I know we talked about before we hit record, uh, basically we got uh, two sets of questions. We got the icebreaker, and then we got the ones from the listeners. Um, so, let's start out with the icebreaker questions. Um, so, right off the bat, your first scale crawler was... You asking me this? Yes. These are the icebreakers. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah. My first scale crawler? Mm-hmm. Was I? I mean, it was an Axial product. It was obviously the the SCX10. If you want to really talk scale, if you want to talk like what I originally had, uh, my my life in the RC world was actually kind of limited. I think I had a uh, what was that? A Tamiya Hornet way way back, and then I had a uh, Traxxas T Max <coughs> Nitro truck, and then. After that, ironically, I, I really didn't couldn't afford all the RC habits that that everybody could, and so I didn't have very much RC. So I went from an AX10 to an SCX10. So I would say the SCX10 would be my first scale RC, you know, scaler type vehicle. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. We didn't expect anything less. So. <laughs> <laughs> But that was so, a while ago. <laughs> before uh, before you ask the next one, Adam, just real quick, I wanted to jump in. Just in the event that there are people out there who don't know who you are, um, you know, who is Randall Davis and, and what do you do in the scale industry? So uh, my role's kind of changed over the years. I've, I've been with Axial for 13 years. Wow. Um, I started off at Axial as a IT consultant. They needed some computer help, and I used to have a consulting company. And um, so I started out just doing some IT consulting, and um, I wanted to get out of the IT consulting industry, but I wanted to use my skill set to get into a different industry. So um, as chance would have it, they needed an IT guy, but they also needed a customer service guy or a warehouse guy or a whatever guy. Um, and so for me back in, geez, I don't know, I think it was 07, um, I left the IT consulting industry and started working for Axial full time. And it pretty much started out as I was the IT guy. So pretty much a overpaid customer service guy or overpaid warehouse guy. But I, I wore several hats and, and did you know, everything from, from warehouse shipping and receiving to customer service to managing their IT network, you know, in the small business. So, um, I got in pretty early, you know, in 07, that was, um, very early on. I think they started in 05 or 06, um, you know, and they started with the nitro stuff and whatnot. So it's kind of how yeah. I got in. I, you know, been around for a little bit. Yeah, awesome. that's taking it back. Um, there's some people that I don't even think they know Axial, you know, had their hand in the Nitro game. You know, it, it's it's interesting regarding that. Not many people do. And there was, back then, there was some items. We did Nitro bodies. We did Nitro engines. We did, you know, a tool line. I don't know if you guys remember that, but we had oh, yeah. some hand tools. 
Um, we had nitro tools, so like gear pullers and uh, clutch bell pullers and fuel bottles and glow plugs and just kind of a variety of stuff that we were bringing in, just trying to, to make a buck and get into the market. Um, and we were, you know, the engines were kind of the best bang for the buck type of an engine for a basher. And they, we, we couldn't keep them in stock. We, we got them in, we kind of made a brand and made a name and all of a sudden it was starting to blow up. And, you know, the entire time we were wanting to actually develop a chassis and get into the electronic, you know, the electric world. Nice. Yeah. Um, I know I've said it before on here. Uh, I kind of got into it right around when the FDX 10 came out. The first version with the, uh, I guess, the rounded Chevy-ish body. Oh, yeah, the old, uh, well, the first SCX-10, that would have been the the Betty. B-17 Betty, yeah, yeah. It wasn't the B-17, so it was the one that they called the Betty because the B-17 was, like, the more Dodge-looking, and then that one was... Yeah, so then it might have been the F-100. Oh, okay, so it was modeled off an F-100. Okay. Yeah, I think that was the, the F-100 truck. Yeah, so that was my first kit way back then. Yeah. That's that's crazy. On the well, no, I think it was still the Betty body, wasn't it? Dude. Well, that's what they called it. They called it the Betty body, but it got confusing oh, so it's, because it's still you the, also it was still the Betty. Yeah, we we did have that F one hundred or that CF one hundred body for a while, but in kit form, it was the Betty truck. Yeah, it was that. Well, that's what it was called. It was the Betty, and then I remember I had this debate with Elio. Uh, I don't know how like. Right around when we first met, he's like, oh, I'm looking for a Betty body. And I'm like, dude, I have one right here. He goes, that's not the Betty body. I said, do you want to see what my manual says? It says uh, Betty yeah. body. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, you know, licensing becomes issues, you know. So you got to kind of masquerade it. I mean, look at the deadbolt. What, what do you see in the True. deadbolt? You, you kind of see a, you kind of see a Ford flavor and you kind of see an international flavor and maybe a couple other things. So back then to avoid licensing issues, we, we definitely had to, tweak it a little bit and blend a couple rigs together. Which I don't know about yeah. you guys and I'm in the minority maybe, but I think stuff like that is cool. Like some of the like original sort of blended designs that people come up with for bodies and kits and things like that. Sometimes I think it's cooler than the, the uh, license stuff personally. Cause it doesn't have to yeah, be the spawn body was a cool one. Yeah. I mean for my, you know, my the understanding is that the, yeah. yeah, I like that one too. Yeah, I mean, the, the basis is, you know, a knot in anything. It's an axial or whatever, so why does the body have to be that way, too? A little bit more freedom for design, in my thought. Sure. One, one of the things we did start doing, I don't know if you guys picked up on it, you probably did, but we started to do a, um, like, a signature grill that was an axial grill. Oh, we yeah. We started to make all the vehicles, regardless of what the vehicles look like, they all kind of started to have a similar grill design. And we did that with the intention of just, just like all the major manufacturers, you start to look at uh, a, a Lexus or a Ford or a Chevy or a whatever. And you, you can recognize, Hey, you know what? All the, the models of that from that manufacturer have a similar grill. And we started to do that just simply because, whether we did a licensed body or we didn't do a licensed body, we, we were starting to, you know, on the, on the unlicensed bodies, we were starting to say, okay, well, this is the signature for Axial is we're going to start to do a grill and make it the same across the board. Which is super cool. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, the Yeti had it. Everything had it, I think. Well, what's funny is now hearing that, I never really noticed it. But now that you say that, I'm sitting here thinking about my Deadbolt. I'm thinking about my uh, Wraith Spawn. Um, they all, all the, the non-licensed bodies do have that same grill resemblance. Yeah, pretty cool. I mean, it, it didn't go forever. Obviously, we went through some transitions and some designers and, and this and that. But, um, you know, it, it, it kind of changed along the way. And hopefully we can we can maintain it. But, you know, as we're doing licensed bodies, we can't really use our own grill. Yeah, true. Yeah. True. Um, so back to the icebreaker questions. I guess that's kind of a good segue. Uh, what would be your favorite scale crawler? Uh, you know, I, I'm gonna. I would have to go all the way back. So, geez, I don't know. I really like my. Uh, what was that? The the uh, SCX10 G6 or the SCX10 Rock Racer mm-hmm. was probably my favorite scale. I still run it. Um, I think I've converted it to the SCX10 to chassis, but I still really, I'm a Jeep enthusiast. So everything about me is like all about Jeep. So when we came out with the SCX10 too, I still rocked the old Jeep rock racer body because it has that dovetailed back end and the tapered front end and, and all that stuff. So I, I still like that, but at the same time, um, I think Adam, you you know as well. This past Axial Fest at Donner, I was kind of rocking an old school AX10 SWX chassis with an XC1 body, and I actually put AR60s underneath it with some 22 tires, which was really kind of a cool mix-up, just because it was still all of the Axial product, um, but I took kind of some old school and some new school and mixed it together and made made a pretty cool crawler out of it. And you did a really good job. Like I know I've texted you this in the past. That like put me on the radar for finding an AX10 to do something with, and I finally got my hands on one. So I, uh, I, you know what? Yes, you you were texting me, and I, I have an old. If you're running the old AX10 axles, I have a BTA kit that I found in a box. I don't know if. You're going to be interested in that. And I also found bag F untouched mm-hmm. from an XR10, which is the old shocks. Hmm. Um, I, if you need either one of those, let me know after the fact, and I'll uh, we'll, we'll figure something out. Uh, yeah, I, got a bunch, I got a bunch of old stuff that I've just been sitting on. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to do something. Um, Cause yeah, like that'd be like that's like my goal is to take this, do some sort of like upgrades to it that was still like kind of like original. I know it's gonna be hard, being that, I mean, what that car's like, twelve years, yeah, about <laughs> yeah. twelve years old. So it's you're a like, little old. Yeah, so to to find all the stuff new is gonna be you know a challenge, but you know it's well, still be fun. Yeah, let me let me know. Do you have the chassis, the X10 chassis? Is that what that was? Yep. All right. That is that is the X10 chassis. Um, it's pretty much okay. So I, I mentioned this on the on last week's episode. So this car is so original. It still has the original. Uh, I don't know the part number, but it's the axial um, servo and the. Uh, oh my gosh. And what and what was the, metal, the yeah that old Metal Gear servo like the AS1 or something? 
Yes, it was like the AS1, and it's the um, the, the old V control. Yeah. Yeah, the V control. The what is it? The AE1. A, maybe an AE1. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it was before we before we uh, started using the castle style stuff. Yeah. So I was like, wow, this has everything. <laughs> and it's so all functioning it's still, right? Like none of it's broken. No, it still functions. Like I said, the only that's thing, so the only rad. Thing, yeah, Wait, does it have the does it have the the old AM radio? I don't have the radio, oh, so, so that's the only no, thing that I don't have. Classic. That would have, but that's the only thing I don't have is the radio. Um, no, everything's there. Uh, even the tires, the original Proline uh, hammers. So they're a little they're a little on the rotten side, so I might have to replace them with something else. But that's cool, man. That that's a really good find. I, I don't know how you found it. Well, I don't know. You probably found it from somebody like me sitting on a bunch of stuff. <laughs> uh, so I'll do a shout out right now. It was to, it was Brandon Catton. He was uh, selling off some stuff uh, to get a drone, and that was one of the items. And I couldn't believe that it sat that long on there because I don't always check Facebook. You know, like. Uh, morning, noon, and night. It's more like, oh, okay, I just got off work. And I would happen to be scrolling through, and he had it posted. I was like, it's been up for like seven hours. I was like, so I texted him. I said, hey, has anyone bought this yet? And he goes, nope. And I said, all right, sold. I'm surprised Mike Kirby didn't sweep in on that. And Somebody tagged it, you know? him in it. But <laughs> I, I don't, I, maybe I beat him to the punch. You got lucky. Wow. He's usually all over that stuff. So, yeah. Right. So, um. All right, back to the questions. Um, favorite place to go crawling? Oh gosh. Um, man, that that is actually a really tough one because you can kind of find crawling anywhere, and <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're talking local to me, or if you're just talking anywhere I've been where I've done RC crawling, I, I'm actually gonna. For all of that, I would say probably uh, Donner is is probably one of my favorite spots. There is a ton of lines there. We were there back in 07, 08, the early years, or 09, whatever it was. And we went back there for this past Axial Fest 2019. And it was cool to be back over there. Um, the terrain there is really, really cool. You can get into all kinds of stuff, whether whether it be scale rock crawling or it be like comp crawling, you know, with some gates involved. There, mm -hmm. there's, the variety is is there, and I think uh, that's probably one of the coolest places um, that I've crawled at. Aside from that, I would say Corona del Mar. You may have seen a bunch of people go down to Corona del Mar periodically, which is down by the beach. Mm -hmm. um, it's about 30 minutes from my house, so that's cool. Um, but I'm not a, you know, that I'm not really a, a big beachy kind of guy. I'm more of mountains and, and wilderness and stuff. So, um, I don't know. I'll tell you just this past weekend I was out with Cody. We were at a, a rock crawling competition, full size, full scale. Mm -hmm. And we were in Cedar city, Utah. And there's a place called three peaks recreation area, which actually had a bunch of really cool lines that you could crawl on out there. So, um, I would say my favorite would probably be Donner. Cisco was epic, but I think Cisco had more of like the mm, more of like I don't want to categorize it. I'll say it more like overlanding 
right? You're mm-hmm. just kind of trail cruising. I hate to use that term, but um, it's kind of more like that, I think, at Cisco, which was super, super cool. And then there was a whole bunch of areas that you got real technical crawling. But overall, I think Donner is probably my favorite. And I'll say it's my favorite because I've driven there both with RC cars and, um, you know, uh, pretty penny the full scale rig. Yeah, I remember the year uh, you guys brought up. Was it was it pretty penny that you got, that uh, Cody brought up? Yeah, he brought it up there once before. I actually competed um, at a We Rock competition in Pretty Penny when Cody couldn't make it. I took it up there and drove it. And, oh, nice! Um, that was that was epic. Like that whole terrain up there is just unreal. It's crazy that you're like on a mountainside. Yeah. No, very cool. Um, I'm also in favor of the mountain train, but I know I got a couple people that have been asking if I'd ever make the trip down to Corona del Mar one of these days. Dude, come on down. I'll I'll put you up for the night or two or whatever you need. Awesome. Um, Yeah, we might have to make something happen. Uh, Let's see. Favorite event? Come on now. (laughs) (laughs) The Axial Fest would would be my favorite event, but I'll I'll add to the list. Um, Axial Axial Fest is my favorite event, but I'm also working that event. Uh, So non-working events, I would say a second best goes to probably Proline by the Fire. They they've got a really good event going. And I think what they've done is is pretty badass. It's fairly local to me as well. That's you know two hours away from where I'm at, so it's close by. Look, I went last year for the first time, and uh, the wife and I both had a really good time at the event. And we're looking forward to going again this year. So um, off the clock, that was probably my favorite event. Um, and then of course anything you guys know, I, I participate in the ultra ultra five Ks or Ultra 5Ks before, so um, anytime there's one of those around, that's probably one of my favorite. Yeah, I still say one of the funniest times ever was, um, I don't know, uh, Jay, I think you were at that this Axial Fest, um, when you guys <laughs> did it with the helmets on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was, what, 2016 was the helmets? Mm-hmm. Yeah, John yeah. <laughs> put me up to it, and... I mean, I don't, I don't normally turn down any sort of rest <laughs> or invite. I'm usually kind of an all-in kind of guy. And so he talked about us doing it with our gear on, and Cody and I talked about it, and Cody was like, yeah, that might be kind of fun. And so what made it really, really fun for Cody and I was we did have the helmets on, and I did have the spotter strap on my back and the backpack and, and all that crap. But what made it really fun was – because we were wearing our helmets, we had our Bluetooth comms on so we could talk to each other even though we got spread out periodically or while we were trying to work obstacles. That's great. (laughs) It actually worked out really cool because, you know, he could get, you know, 50 yards ahead of me or whatever and I could still talk to him or if I got 50 yards ahead of him, I could still talk to him. And, you know, if you get stuck on a line, it's like you didn't have to wait for the guy. You just kind of coached him through the line on the headset and, Next thing you know, he's like, "Oh yeah, I got through it. We're we're moving on." And That's we're awesome. cracking up. Yeah, it it made it fun. You guys are probably lucky you didn't die a heat stroke with all that stuff on <laughs> trying to run. Yeah, that's very true. Definitely not the appropriate helmet. <laughs> never had to move one for a five k. Yeah, it was a little warm <laughs> that year. 
Um, so what is your current number of rigs owned? Ooh, too funny. I actually had a feeling you were going to count, you were going to ask that, so I went and counted. I have, I'm going to say 35, unless I missed Whoa. Them. Whoa, I that one them. took me for surprise. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. I was thinking like I, half I, that. Oh, so Maybe I should have said if you guys can guess the correct number, I'll give it without a future. That would have been more appropriate. No, I've got uh, 35, 36 rigs. Um, it ranges from a couple of Yeti Junior Can-Ams. Um, I've got a Yeti Junior Trophy truck. I've got an old XR10. I've got a uh, fully hopped up 10-scale uh, Yeti that has never touched the dirt. I've got a Yeti XL. Um, I've got uh, SCX-10s, I've got SCX-10-2s, I've got bombers, I've got, um, holy cow, I've got Yeti trophy trucks, I've got, um, what else is out there? Um, shoot, I've got a couple of bomber, you know, bomber rigs, one's mine, one's my wife's, I've got my my rock racer, you know, the Jeep SCX-10-2. Um, the wife has one of the deadbolt bodies on an SCX-10-2. Um, I've got some just skid chassis. I've got, um, dude, I don't know. I mean, I actually, I counted them today and was like, oh, my gosh, this is just too much stuff. Plus, <laughs> I've got things that I can't even talk about because they're on the shelf as well. Some products. Nice. That's nice. the fun stuff. Yeah, the good stuff. So it's, I mean, dude, there, there's a ton of stuff that, that I actually have. And, again, I was never this into RC before I started Axial. And most of it is because it's, you know, it's all project-related, you know, and that's that's why I have it all. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's not the most that everybody else has. Still, it's really cool to have, so. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I need to buy a drone, so I'm going to sell some shit off here soon. <laughs> <laughs> so comp or trail days, which do you prefer? Uh, nothing beats a good day of, of, of crawling some gates. But trail days are super fun because they're more family-oriented. Because I'm a Jeep enthusiast, it's more like the real deal. Um I and I like to you know I'll go back to the whole axial fest thing. I think the the greatest thing is that you can get fifteen hundred people together and everybody's going to be geeking out on RC cars and it's super super cool. You know, like I I bring my RC cars when I go jeeping a lot and they just sit in the rig because everybody's just you know him and it on over the full scale stuff and nobody really takes the time to drive RC cars even though we. You know, we all bring them. We just don't do it. So, um, Axial Fest is probably the best. I don't know the best place to do it. And I think scale trail wheeling is a whole lot of fun because it's not super super intense. Um, so for the most part, I would say scale trail is you know trail wheeling is probably my favorite. Um, but when you're on limited time and you want to throw down some gates and and kind of hash it out with a buddy now and then. I 
comp crawling is is pretty awesome. That's a tough call. Nice. Well, it's a good answer. <laughs> That's a tough call. I would say the majority of what I do is probably scale trail wheeling. Nice. Yeah, I mean that I like the answer because that's pretty much the way I think we feel about it ourselves. Um it's fun, you get out with your friends, you can BS and just hang out all day and yeah. So Yeah, like 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 you can drive the car one handed if you're scale trail wheeling, right? Exactly. That's the super cool part. And then, you know, that that's what makes it really fun. And then if you're in tight quarters or whatever and you really want to throw down some gates. I mean, we kind of did it uh, Axial Fest last year. I don't know if you guys heard about it or saw it, but we did do a a um, pretty much no holds barred comp crawl just off to the side with with some guys, and you know everybody brought their comp crawler, and we just threw down some gates and goofed off. There was probably ten of us, ten twelve of us. That's pretty rad. Yeah, I was gonna say Roklowski brought up his. Uh, yes. Was it a Berg or was it a? Um, uh, no, he did. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was Axial Fest. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, actually, well, I know he had something. He had it on his shoulder. That's all I know. And I and I yeah. did hear you guys tell him to put it away when we were standing in line. I do know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he got away with one. Um, so final question to wrap up the icebreaker, uh, your favorite hobby shop. Oh, wow, man. I don't know if I should answer that. That's... Do, you, do you even have to go to a hobby shop if you work for Horizon? I, I mean, is that even necessary? So not really. Um, I, I do order direct through Horizon Hobby. Um there's a few I, I, I won't name drop just out of respect for the entire hobby shop industry. I, I think it's badass that there are so many hobby shops out there that really support our product. And by me dropping a name, it would just because it would just be because those are the ones that I have personally dealt with. Um, so I, I won't play favoritism in, in that regard just to keep it politically correct, but there's a few shops, dude, that just locally or, you know, NorCal, SoCal, and, and some other areas that I've heard of that are fantastic. And I think all the hobby shops are, um, I think they're kind of on the come up right now. I, I think there was a, a bit of a struggle, but with this whole pandemic garbage and blah, 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 I think shops are really on the come up. And as they long, as, as long as they get into the e-commerce side of things, I think they're going to prosper very well. Oh yeah. So I won't good, drop a good diplomatic answer. I like that. Yeah. That's the tough one. <laughs> well, we have that question because everybody's answered it differently. Some people pick their local, some people pick an online. I mean, it, we, that's why we throw it up there for interpretation. Yeah. yeah. There, there is, there is one or two particular shops that if, which I've thought about like, hey, I'm going to send a vehicle to a shop and say, hey, will you guys do this up for me? And it's not so much that they're a better hobby shop than another. It's just that I've built a personal relationship with the owners of that shop. Right. No, makes sense. Cool. But yeah. Um. Yeah, we'll we'll get back to the actual listener questions in a little bit. Um, I guess uh, I know it's something that I have on my mind. I kind of want to hear your take and uh, I guess what you, what you're doing. I know 
Axial posts a lot of pictures for it. But uh, what you're doing to get ready for Axial Fest Badlands, since this is the first year that there was going to be two different events. I'm not doing a damn thing anymore. Um, corporately, they shut down. They opted to not um, authorize travel for anybody in California to go to Axial Fest Badlands. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It kind of, unfortunately it happened. I, um, I had, <clears throat> I was on the board to go. Um, I was going to most likely be doing my usual, you know, helping out with all the events, doing the, doing the tech inspection and doing the raffle was, was my intended task. Um, along with in, inviting a few of the ultra four guys that might be in the area of Axel Fest Badlands. Um, that was going to be my kind of my role was basically like just like I did for Axial Fest Donner. Um, everybody enjoyed what I did. Didn't hear any complaints um, about you know what I was doing out there. So they all know you know I'm kind of the the face at the raffle and um, everything like that. So basically the, the the game plan was hey just do exactly what you did at Axial Fest Donner you're just going to come out to Axial Fest Badlands and i was really looking forward to it because i have not been out to corporate yet since horizon took us over um and i was really looking forward to getting out there and checking out the corporate facility and meeting people that i have never put a, you know never met in person and you know just seeing the facility and checking everything out so i i, I was kind of bummed um that they put the put the no-go on it, but it, it I'm really busy with work projects, so it kind of freed up my time to focus more on the on the new development side of things. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. Because um, I was over here sitting there thinking like, wow, you know, that must be hectic. If you're going to be, because like, I guess, did you have options to work one or the other, or were you planning on going to both? If I was going to be doing both. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to be – I was all in to do both events. Uh, myself and I think Rich was the same way. He was all in to be doing both, Rich Trujillo. Wow. So we were just – I mean, is what it is. Axial Fest is, is an epic event, and I think um, having, having some of the longer-term people that have been around Axial or, you know, the Axial brand or Axial Fest is, is key to really help make it a good event. But – they, from what I've seen, they, they've got a lot of really good stuff going on. It's going to be an awesome event. Um, the attendance might be a little bit on the downside, but that's kind of par for the course when you, you know, kick off a, a new event. Um, and obviously with, with the COVID stuff going on, I, I think it's, you know, the, the results are going to be a little bit different this year. But, you know. It uh, it's going to be good. They've got a lot of good stuff going over there. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. It's going to be kind of a double whammy. Um, if it was if if the if I guess the COVID stuff didn't happen, it pro I mean it might still be lower. Well, it'll be lower than the West Coast attendance, but I think more people will be I guess intrigued to go. Um, you right. know, because traveling wouldn't be so restricted. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, that's and that's really the thing is is if you think about it, it's it, you know, you kind of look at it like, well, it's the first event, so nobody's going to really be interested to go because it's it's Axial Fest Badlands. But then you look at it like, well, there's a handful of people that are gonna 
be interested in going because it is the first event. And then there's going to be another handful of people that are like, I just can't wait to get to an event and take part in something because <laughs> nothing's been happening. So it's, it's, it's a funny one. So, and I think overall, I think the results are going to be really, really good. I think the attendance is going to be above what we expected. Um, and I think whoever's there, I mean, we don't we don't chintz out on the raffle. You guys saw that last year. Oh I think no, that's always been really good. Yeah, and and we know that's one of the things that the fans appreciate. So I, I can't imagine the raffle is going to be chintzed out. And so the fewer people that are there, the more chances you have of winning some really cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, so who I doesn't want to go somewhere and win a free RC car? Exactly. I mean, I I bet you there's a handful of people that are actually like the diehards that are going, or it's really close to them and they're locals, and they're probably like, "All right, everybody, please just stay home. You know, right. we'll take care of it. <laughs> we got this." But yeah, yeah. Um, see, I yeah, that was a couple of things I had on my mind. Um, I, I the only other stuff I have on my mind is obviously uh, what Axial has planned down the pipe, but uh, I don't know if uh, you can disclose any of that. Um, well, let's see. What can I tell you? <clears throat> so I, I can tell you the obvious <clears throat> is the standard axle conversion kit. That's obviously on a lot of people's minds. Um, it was in the instruction manual for the SCX-10-3 and the SCX-10-3 mm -hmm. RTR and stuff like that. Um, that's that's on my plate of to do, and it is progressing along. Um, we're doing the best that we can to try to bring it out as fast as possible, but we do need to make sure that um, you know the the I's are crossed and the T's are dotted. Otherwise, you guys are going to complain about it. Um, so it's it's coming along really good. We've got it just about done. I'm getting ready to get kind of a like a, a T3 sample, which is just about, unless there's some kind of an issue, the T3 sample is um, pretty much ready to go. You know, we give the final approval on that, and then they start production. So with that, um, with that, you know, a straight axle conversion, uh, is are you still going to have to get the gears for the transmission separately, or is that going to be an all-in-one kit? It's an all-in-one kit that we're looking at doing. Um, the And the premise for it is basically if you own an SCX-10-3 kit, an SCX-10-3 RTR, or something else that's coming around the corner, um, the idea is you buy this, and it gives you the axles, the gears, the links, the, the anything and everything that you're possibly going to need to put standard axles under it. Oh, so the, so the links will change too. Depending. So with the length, what we're really after is just maintaining the proper uh, pinion angle mm -hmm. to where you're not disrupting the drive line. Okay. Yeah, I guess it makes sense because I th I'm trying to remember because um, I'm not sure if you're aware of, um, but I actually threw a set of non-portal axles underneath my rig, but I had to do a lot of... Uh, Reinventing the wheel to get them to fit. Well, yeah, you got front. yeah. What what axles did you put under it? Uh, those are the SSD um, okay. Pro Forty Four or the the or the sorry the Trail King ones, the Diamond Housing ones. Um, oh, gotcha. 
they work. Uh, the rear was a complete just drop-in, not an issue at all. The front, um, I had to remake a panhard bar. I had to remake a tie rod. The steering worked just fine. Um, and then my only other issue was uh, obviously the transmission because with the non-portal axle, the gearing was just not there. Right, so. right. So the kit will have the transmission gears, it'll have a new panhard bar, um, it'll have, for the front links, it'll have the recommended adjustment. You actually only need to make an adjustment on the front end. And then it'll have new rear uppers, and the lowers stay the same. Um, okay. And it'll come, you know, like I said, it'll come with the proper trans gears. It'll actually come with a drive shaft extension uh, for the front, I believe. Should have, it should be the front because I, ex yeah. I extended mine. I used the parts out of the um, out of the kit and actually just made my own. Yep. Got the length that I needed chopped off just enough and put it back together. Yep. yep. So it'll have that and. Uh, shocks. It comes with shocks. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it, and everything like the axles and the shocks this is way, way. I shouldn't even be telling you all this, but the axles and the shocks will be fully assembled. Oh, right. Oh, nice. That's way cool. Yeah, so you're not going to have to spend time putting that stuff together. Yeah, I'd probably let the cat out of the bag on that one. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> we we can always edit it out if you you know by the end nah. of the show you're yeah. thinking you want to <laughs> retract it. Nah, not not um, big deal. It's basically just going to make people drool, right? <laughs> True. Yeah. Well, what I like about it is it's a whole, like you said, it's a whole kit. So if somebody wants to achieve this, they can just it's one stop shop. You get everything you need, and it's done. Because I know that's what I, I was getting bombarded with a lot of questions when I first posted mine up. They're like, I don't get it. How did you do this? What did you do? And it's like, all right, you got to spend a lot of time in yeah. you know doing this if you're going to do it. So because yeah. I mean. I didn't realize how thought out uh, the SCX 10.3 platform was until I tried <laughs> to do this. Until I tried to do this task, because yep. they, that molded, um, I guess, oil pan for the scale motor uh, has a little cutout yep. where the panhard bar goes up into it. So I'm like, because at first I was like, well, maybe I'll just like try and find some longer rod ends. But then I'm looking at it, going, no, it needs to be able to go up in there. So I said, well, I'm just gonna have to bend one myself. Yep. Yep. So, so yeah, we we we've got a whole uh, factory uh, panhard bar that will work with the standard axle. Nice. Yeah. See, like I said, so to anybody who wants to just put it in, it's gonna make life so much easier. I mean, if you like to tinker with it, you know, like I said, it's doable. I did it. It's sure. just yeah. You know, that would have made life a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. So we've we've got uh, we we've got that. Um, we've got some other products that, like I said, it's, it's right around the corner. I won't, I won't say what that is cause I can't spoil that. Um, and there's even another, there's another announcement from one of the other brands coming next week as well. I mean, like the, to me, the really cool thing is to look at the pipeline of all the brands and it's spe specifically for me, the Axial brand you know, because I do um, product development for the Axial brand. And to just look at the pipeline, it, it, I look at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many exciting things coming that people are just going to 
you know, they're just going to look at it and be like, well, I need one of those too. I need one of those too. I need one of those too. Oh, <laughs> that's the other one I have is, is a UMG 10. I have, uh, the UMG 10 was one of my projects and, um, I had the one that they used for the, for the box art and stuff. I wound up putting a new body on it, but I had that one and it's not something that I would ever normally ever drive, but I have it and it's sitting on the shelf. That's one of my other 36 rigs. So if anyways, the, the products that are coming are just like mind blowing. You know, every time we bring one out, we try to raise the bar a little bit. Every time we, you know, like we brought out the SCX 10 three and we're like, okay, let's, let's raise the bar and make it better than anything we've ever made. Um, <clears throat> we don't necessarily try to compete against one brand specifically. What we try to do is is just look at what's out there, look at what's been done, and raise the bar just as a whole. You know, we're never trying to attack or outdo one particular brand. We just do what we do. Fair oh, enough. That's good, yeah. Um. I was going to say, yeah, my other thing, I, I don't know if I told you about this, Jay, but my other issue that I have right now is I just stumbled across the, um, I think it was on your story, Randall, um, that, what is it, the little, they raced the SCX-24s. And, oh, holy cow. Yes. And, and all these, and there was a bunch of, um, they were, I guess they all had the micro shark conversion, and I that, was like... Yeah, that was uh, Jordan Pellegrino. I don't know if mm -hmm. you know who he is. He's an Ultra 4 driver. Um, they wound up building a backyard course, and they wound up doing these Friday night races, and he hit me up one day about coming up there to, you know, whatever, guest appearance or check out what they're doing, and, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll come up there. I'll check it out, and, and I did not know what I was getting into, but <laughs> that was... So favorite places to call to crawl or to compete for an SCX24, Jordan Pellegrino's backyard. That's what I'd say. <laughs> I do. Well, I mean, they, their course was off the chart awesome for an SCX24. And, and you know, like you said, they had the, the MicroShark chassis, and they wound up breaking it into, like, a stock class and a mod class. And, and you know, I don't – mod too many of my rigs so I still had pretty much a, it was it was a box stock deadbolt SCX24 and I'm like well this is what I got and it, crazy, crazily enough I probably could have ran in the mod class and placed top five just because I knew how to drive the damn car <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was going to say I, it was pretty impressive and now it's got me going I think I need to add MicroShark to my, you know, long list of builds that I need to get done. So do you have any SX 24s I have two. Two of them. Nice. Uh, one... What about you, Jay? Do you got any? I don't. No, I've, I've uh, kind of stayed away from the mini scene, but before too long, I think we're going to be probably getting into it. We did a man-made course for an expo up here, and the very first thing, like, we did foam with... Um, terry cloth that was soaked in concrete over the top yep. of the foam and man that thing we we built it with 10th scale in mind but with 24th scale i mean there's like canyons and ravines and like it, it oh. would be a totally different course so it's definitely something i'm gonna have to get into and check out because it looks like a blast yeah i i was like i did some some you know a little bit of crawling with the xcx scx24 when we were doing the development on it and um you know, for me, I, I pretty much, if Axial doesn't make it, 
I pretty much leave it the way that it is. I don't do a whole lot of aftermarket hop-up upgrades and stuff. Most of my stuff is all, you know, either axial hop-up or um, it's it's just bone stock RTR. Um, except for my, my bombers. Th those got some pretty cool, you know, vanquish upgrades and stuff like that. Um, but they're, the SDX-24s are like they're a kick in the pants just just to go drive them and go play with them and and once you learn the limits like every rc car has its limit right so you just gotta know if i get it in a bind look how teeny tiny the servo is look how teeny tiny the motor is it, it's gonna burn up if you put it in a bind so once you learn mm -hmm. its limits the cars are are phenomenal they're they're actually very very impressive rigs and the mods that those guys are doing to them now is just blowing me away so I guess with that, I probably should start thinking about doing some sort of an SCX-24 tube chassis. Yeah, see, that that's what got my interest because I was like, oh, that's really cool. But see, they did such a good job painting them. I assume somebody was like either brazing or welding these little chassis. So I actually reached <laughs> out to that page and was like, hey, can I ask some questions on, the, on like your tube diameter you're using? And they're like, oh, no, this is a 3D printed cage. And I was like, what? I was, like, I was like, well, you fooled me because it looked like I, I said because it, it looked like metal, and they said, oh no, we just painted them up uh, to make them look like metal, and I was like, wow, that's All so right. bad. <laughs> so I know Jordan now has a, a chassis that he has designed. I think he put it on Shapeways or something. Really? Um, yeah, that he's designed for for the SAX twenty four chassis. Hmm. Yeah, because I know I'm gonna have to get another one. I have I have the one. 24 that's got the uh, it's got a hard body uh, little you know model suburban body on it so I kind of don't have the heart to tear that apart um, uh, and then I got a pretty much bone stock uh, Jeep JL one uh, mainly mm -hmm. because I have all the different Jeeps I have the 2017 I have the uh, the new SCX 10.3 JL and that micro plus Michelle's got a real Jeep, so I was like, well, I'll just right. add those to the Jeep pile. Can't really get rid right. of those. So I'm like, well, I think I'm going to have to buy another SCX24 if I want to make this happen. There you go. I mean, dude, bang for the buck. They're they're phenomenal. And they look you know? just like the big SCX10. That's what's cool about it. It's yeah. like the Chevy C10 looks right. identical. Like, even the Deadbolt, like, down to the light bar. I mean, they're so rad how you guys... I mean, they're just... There's nothing toyish or chintzy looking about them. They just look like they were right. hit with a shrink ray. Yeah, uh -huh. you, you'll you'll have to uh, stay tuned on on the SCX24 stuff. We got some really cool stuff coming for that line. That's pretty rad. I can't wait. You're, you're gonna you're nice. gonna be blown away. Nice. Um. So let's see. Uh, Travis, do you want to uh, do the questions or? Yeah, I can do. Them. Yeah, let's just jump right in. So uh, we had a bunch of listener questions uh, on our announcement post from yesterday. So we're going to go ahead and jump into those. So our first question is from Jeremy Joseph Olson. He says, my first crawler was an axial. Now, after many years away from the RC sport, I came back and built an SCX 10-2 raw builder's kit that I love. My question is, do you see axial coming out with a more true scale kit? Maybe independent front suspension and possibly a leaf spring rear end? I understand those designs may not produce the easiest crawler to drive. I do think there is much to be said for a build that is true to scale and takes a good driver to make it perform on the trail. This includes tires that are also realistic. Thanks so much for all your hard work. Cheers, Jeremy. Nice. Nice. Well, thanks, Jeremy, for the question. Um, 
you know, we always have the discussion on our roundtables about IFS, FIS, and Leaf Springs. We're, we're always talking about it. And the biggest issue that we see is will we get a return on investment on it? You know, if we bring out a leaf spring leaf sprung vehicle, are we really going to get? Are we going to get the six guys that say everybody wants it, or are we going to get the thousand people that want the leaf spring vehicle, right? And so we're we're always tossing that around, and we're always tossing around the idea of, well, maybe we do a leaf spring as an option kit or um, an IFS conversion or something. Um, personally. I'll usually object to like an IFS conversion. I think if, if Axial is going to do an IFS, I think we need to do it right, not just as some sort of, you know, here's here's some chassis rails and let's, you know, bolt up a bulkhead or, or something like that. Let's, let's really do it right and make it work. Um, you know, like, I, I don't know. There, there's some really killer Toyotas have some really killer IFS trucks out there. Obviously, the new Bronco, I'm sure you guys have seen it. The new Bronco looks pretty radical, um, and that's got IFS in it. So the options are out there, and we're always talking about doing it. It's just a matter of executing it and making sure that we're going to get it right and making sure that there's enough fans out there that, you know, they're actually going to want it, you know. The, the Axial brand, I mean, with the exception of, like, the Yeti, the, the Axial brand has always been solid axle, and... If you talk to any Jeep enthusiast, solid axle is the way to go um, when it comes to best articulation. And if you guys don't know the principles behind it, the basic principle in um, IFS versus solid axle is when the solid axle articulates, the majority of the contact patch of the tire stays contacted to the ground. When you go IFS, the tire goes up and down only so you lose the majority of your contact patch. And that's the advantage that a solid axle vehicle holds over IFS. Um, aside from that, IFS, you have to carry a bit more speed to really get the vehicle to function, which is what you'll see in, like, the Ultra 4 rigs that are running IFS. They go through the rocks a lot faster, and the reason that they do is because the only way that they can get through the rocks is to kind of go fast. So... There, there's some, some give and take between them all, and personally, if we were to ever do a Toyota chassis or something that was realistic and it in the real world had IFS, I would definitely want to see IFS on it. Uh, leaf springs, that one's tough. At, at the scale of the vehicles to get leaf springs to truly function, it's really hard to do because the material has to be tho so thin and, and flimsy. Yeah, that, we played a little bit with adding Leafs to a uh, Element Enduro, and man, oh man, <laughs> it's quite it's a tough. challenge. Yeah, it, yeah. It, I mean, that thing was stiff as hell. We ended up ditching everything but the main leaf, and even then it still was a little bit stiff. I mean, it, it's, yeah, you kind of have your work yeah. cut out for you. What was that uh, What was that Pro-Line, that little 24-scale Pro-Line or whatever scale it was that had little leaf sure. springs in it? Oh, uh, it did, didn't it? I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, it was the ambush. Ambush. I think that's yeah. what it's called. Yeah, yep. it had little leaf springs, and if you watch it, the the leaf springs just don't compress. Yeah, and it it'll take a lot to really get leaf springs to. I mean, people have done it, and you know, there's some 
like some builder guys out there that I've seen do some leaf spring vehicles that are, are pretty radical, but it's tough and you got to be able to, to devote the time to get it dialed in if you're going to do a mass production. Yeah. Would be cool. Sweet. Oh, definitely. Um, so our next question comes from Rich Homan. He says, thank you, Randall, for all of the great designs. How has the release of the Bomber 2.0 gone, and are there potential for more 2.2 rigs, or is the market really gone mostly towards 1.9 and scale? Oh, Rich. Well, let's see. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be called the 2.0, but it kind of got coined as the 2.0. Um just because it was a second variation of, of the bomber. It had some really great improvements, but um, it could have been like, it, to me personally, it's more like a 1.5, right? Like it's it's an update, but it's not like a really killer revision. Um, I still think it's it's a bad, badass, I should, I don't know if I can say it. I still think it's oh, a yeah. badass <laughs> vehicle. Um I personally have one. I have one that I'm actually getting ready to make my new Ultra 5K bomber rig, and I'm going to retire my old DTR rig. Um, so I'll be converting to that one. The The changes aren't drastic, but there's been a lot of a lot of hype on people still wanting it. It's always been a good seller for us. So sales-wise, I think it's still doing really, really good. Um out of the box, that's probably one of the best rock racers on the market that you can buy. And if you're looking to kind of do some trail running or um, somewhat bashing around through the rocks or um, I'll even kind of, you know, some people say portals are training wheels for rock crawlers. You could almost kind of say that about a, about a, a rock bound or a, um, a, a bomber is – if you're not into the one nine scaling because the rocks are too big and you struggle with it, well, maybe you need to start with a 2.2. Um, I think there's a lot of room for that market. I still like driving the 2.2 stuff. Um, it's just a matter of finding the right obstacles, right? Like if you look at a 2.2 versus 1.9, the 1.9 is going to give you the ability to find smaller rocks to drive over than what you would need for a 2.2 to make it challenging. Well, if you take it a scale smaller and you grab the, the 24 scale, the SCX24, you're doing the same thing. You're like, well, now I don't need such a big giant rock to make it super challenging for me. So I, I think they all have their place. And I think that the 2.2 market is, I think it's still strong and I think it's still going to thrive. And um, I don't know. I'm a fan of it. I, I think 2.2 rock crawling is, is awesome. You know, that's that's a lot of fun. You know, the bomber is one of those rigs, and I've always said this about it. If you had to pick one RC car, that's all you were allowed to have. I've always said go. the bomber would be it because you can bash and have fun with it, goofing around. I mean, when I had mine, it was like really hard to control yourself when you're out rock crawling because you could like jump little, you know, make doubles out of stuff, and you know, you could just totally goof around true. with the thing. So it was great for bashing. You could crawl with it, and you could go fast with it. It was like the one do-it-all rig that you couldn't really go go wrong with. So I've totally always true. been a fan yeah. of it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, like uh, for, for the the wife and I, we actually, uh, when we go run around the block, if we're going to go, you know, pavement pound or run on the cement, 
you know, for a 5K or something just for some training, it's funner to run with a bomber than it is to run with a dog, right? <laughs> like, you know, you don't have you don't have to keep an eye on on the bomber. If you let go of the throttle, it's going to stop. If you don't want it to cross the street yet, you just don't give it gas, right? Like, it's, it's better than a dog, right? It's just going to do what you do. So, uh, we've had a lot of fun, you know, running around the block with the bomber, going and doing some, you know, local trail running and stuff like that with the bomber. It, it makes running way more fun. I, I do not like just going and running. I can run for about 30 minutes and I'm, I'm over it. Yeah. So having the bomber doing some trail running or even some trail hiking, um, it's ideal. I think if you're going to go hiking in the wilderness, another really cool thing for the, for the bomber is because it's a two, two regardless for the most part, regardless of the terrain that you run into, it's going to be able to get through it. You know, kind of like you were saying was all around it's going to be a, a, a capable rig. One yeah, of my favorites. Absolutely. Sweet. Um, next is from Eric Warren. Doesn't really have a question, uh, but a statement. He says, I still rock the SCX-10. Thank you, Randall, for all your hard work providing us with awesome tiny trucks to wheel. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, it, dude, it's 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 been great, you know, just uh, looking through, you know, just kind of looking back, going from the the AX10 to the SCX10 to the the AX10 ARTR or you know the SCX10 kit, the SCX10 RTR, and and just moving through all the products that we developed, the Yeti and the and the XR10, it's. It's been a fun a fun path to be on, honestly. I, I've really enjoyed it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, the next question is from Ed Winger. He says, where does Randall see the hobby going, and what are the upcoming trends, such as more small-tire RTRs or maybe more partnerships with electronic companies, such as what Red Cat did with Hobby Wing and the AXE system? Um, let's see. I, I really see the hobby industry moving more towards one-to-one uh, -one replication is, is what I see. I, I won't wrap it into just 10th scale or just 24th scale or just 8th scale or anything like that. I think what we focus on is, is scale replication, whether it's you know, a trophy truck or a rock crawler or a, you know, off the dealer lot production vehicle or, you know, whatever it is, we want to try to replicate the real deal. And I think the market's going to go more that way. And I, I think across the board from the Horizon products, all the brands that you're going to start to see that more of, hey, these guys are really trying to, you know, replicate more and more and more of the one-to-one -one stuff. And that's kind of where I see it going. I don't know if it's going to be tiny trucks. I mean, SCX 24s are a huge hit right now, which blew me away. I, I honestly did not think it was going to sell as well as they did. So I, I didn't think it would take off, but I was totally wrong on that one. And, you know, I still did the project, but um, I didn't think it would go that well. Um, and I think the one nine, you know, the one nine market is, is thriving. It, I think it's still going to be thriving. Um, I think if you brought out a 
two two realistically scaled Jeep, I think it would sell well. And so and and that's what I mean by like I, I think the industry is more looking at replication of real world vehicles, things that people can actually relate to, you know, the mini me's or the, the mini I wannabes, you know, if, if you came out with a, uh, whatever, a grave digger, right? We came out with a grave digger and everybody wants the grave digger because they can't own one in the real world and they want to have one or whatever. If it was a, I don't know if you guys know who Shannon Campbell is, but if we made a Shannon Campbell Ultra 4 rig, well, everybody that knows Shannon Campbell would want, oh, I want that because it's a replication of what he drives. Um, and that's where I kind of see the, the the market really thriving. Um, as far as <clears throat> components um, or electronics, with the acquisition under you know, acquisition of Axial under the Horizon brand, that opened up a huge plethora of resources for us. And so what you're going to be seeing is more and more of the Spectrum line brand, you know, the Spectrum line being used in Axial products or other products across the board. And they've been doing a lot of development on the Spectrum brand, and they're really trying to, to hone in on what the consumers are after and what's really going to work. And so I think when it comes to RTRs, you're most likely going to start seeing more Spectrum stuff just because it's a Horizon-branded product and we have we have more control over what gets developed to put it into the vehicles that um, put it into the vehicles that that need certain elements. You know, if if we have a, a vehicle that requires a certain type of brushless motor and we don't have it yet, we can is easily develop it. I see. So, I mean, let me ask this question then as a, a segue from that, which is from Ryan Crowley. He asks, how has the partnership of Horizon after the buyout benefited the current and future of the Axial brand? Good question. Um, overall, I, I think it's great. I mean, obviously, Horizon's a huge company, and, and they have, you know, corporate red tape and blah, 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 which I wasn't used to used to because I was just from a small company. Um but overall, the the acquisition and the transition and um, the benefits they're huge. They're they're absolutely huge. Like they have way more power and way more ability to um, to invest in certain designs. They have the ability. They have way more buying power with with additional resources if they need. They have um, tons of re relationships overseas that really help us produce the product that we do. Um, one of the killer things that, that kind of was, uh, I guess, a step up for the SCX-10 III was um, the plastics. The SCX-10 III plastics are completely different than what we used to use, and that was just because we were able to use the, um, the resources that Horizon had and integrate them into the Axial brand. So it's, it's been a, an awesome... Yeah, I mean, it's a huge learning curve for me because there's just so many different things that I wasn't used to. But overall, it's it's been awesome. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, it's been quite the transformation even, you know, just to see, I guess, just a different a difference in the, like, product release paths with a lot of, lot of projects that you guys have come out with over the last, well, it, pretty much since the Horizon acquisition. 
So I imagine that like, we're feeling it from a customer base. The internal change must have been massive. Yeah, you're gonna. I mean, you're gonna continue to see it. You know, there there's gonna be obviously there's there's gonna be the opportunity of, um, you know, hey, this didn't work out right, or that didn't work out right, or, um you know, some shortcomings or something like that. But I, I think overall, once we get through the transition, like under the Horizon brand, Rich Trujillo is another Axial developer and, um, uh, or I should say product developer, Ryan Dunford's having his hand in some of the Axial products. So the team is expanding and changing. And so you're going to see kind of some, some differences coming and it's going to be a transition for everybody. Like, you know, Rich never did Axial product before, so that's all new to him. And, you know, to keep the brand kind of the way that it is, he has to learn a little bit about the heritage and the way that we used to do things. But at the same time, I want to learn how Horizon does things, and we want to marry the two together to help bring the best product that we possibly can. So you guys are still very much in transition as far as processes and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we're getting the hang of it. You know, it's 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 coming around pretty good, but I just this past week, well, I won't get into the details of, of the task, but I just this past week sent an email off to a bunch of people in corporate, and, and I was like, hey, this is not how I ever had to deal with this process before, so please bear with me. <laughs> like, this is totally new. Like, I know how to ride a bike, but this isn't riding that bike. This is like riding a, a six-wheeler instead of a two-wheeler. I don't know. It was, you know. <laughs> Totally different. <laughs> sure. I got so, you. Okay. But it's, it's good, man. It, yeah, it's it's really, really good. Overall, you know, I know there was a whole lot of naysayers about the whole transition and this and that and the other, and um, a lot of people were talking about, you know, where the lifestyle of the brand is going and this and that, and the greatest thing is the majority of the people in corporate have all – understood and learned and have seen if it wasn't firsthand just by whatever secondhand information how important the axial lifestyle is and how important it is to maintain that and keep it going you know it's oh, axial's yeah. not just going to be an, another brand under horizon it's a completely different animal and they're very very well aware of it Oh, that's awesome. I mean, we've seen some of the best products come out that from Axial since the acquisition event. I mean, like the Capra, the quality of the links, the rod ends. I mean, like everything has just really been elevated. So I, I think that's put a lot of the naysayers, you know, it's, it's shut a lot of people up. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and that's good things, right? Like we didn't, as Axial in the past, we didn't have we didn't have access to those resources um, in the past. And, and so now, now that we have them, it's like, okay, we can really step up our game and make the product that much better. I'll even look at it this way. Look at what had the bad reputation or the not bad, but what had a, a weak reputation was the original Yeti junior, right? It was flawed and failed and nobody liked it. And it was just a hunk of junk. And, through the acquisition, we brought it back in the, the Yeti Junior Can-Am, and it's been a remarkable vehicle. It's been awesome. 
Oh, dude, there's so much fun. Like, yeah, there, it was a good feeling looking, seeing them all on back order and stuff on a main, you know, like <laughs> seeing that, you know, people are into them. That's probably one of our most sold items is the replacement decal kits just to change a color on it. Like, I mean, it, it's yeah. astounding the, the number of those that we've sold to the yeah. Can-Am owners. They're, they're yeah. a cool rig. They're so much fun. Yeah, that's still on the plate of another color. We 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 haven't decided what we're gonna do, but we have been talking about doing a variation of the Can Am again. We're just not sure which one we're gonna do. You know, right. and it's 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 tough because you know you've got a, a team of product developers and you've got only so many people that can work on Axial product versus all the other products, and you got to pick and choose which ones you want to bring to market. And then once you do that, you got to decide, okay, what engineers are going to work on developing this product and what's the timeline on this product. And uh, like, there's, there's a lot to do with it. And, and a lot of people don't understand that it, it's not just an overnight task. You know, when, right. when we decide we're going to make a product, it, it is anywhere from, from 12 to 24 months before we get it done. If it's 12 months, we somehow miraculously kicked butt at it. That it's you know I'm not surprised to hear that it it is a lot of work I mean just yeah. I look at what Travis goes through just for our business you know on just little items and stuff and yeah I, I can't even imagine you know having to have an entire car being developed on your plate right right and it, and you know it's it's it it'll go down to uh, one of my issues recently that I was having to deal with was a servo saver. And it wasn't working right, and we had to go back to the drawing board, and then it wasn't working right again, and then we went back to the drawing board. And it's just a servo saver, and you'd think servo saver has been being made forever, right? <laughs> Everybody makes a servo saver. And you come out with a servo saver, and it's still not good. And then you go to, like, an old-school servo saver, and it's not good. So you're like, okay, what is the problem? And And you just have to spend that time just for a servo saver to get it right and make sure that, you know, when you bring it to market, it's not just a hunk of junk. Yeah, you right. can't just cut corners. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you don't like to cut corners because that hurts the brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so the next one is from Ryan Crowley again. He says, did you ever think that the, the development of the SCX-10 platform would become such an influence on where the scale slash crawler scene has evolved to? Um, it may sound cocky, but I knew it would blow up. Um, that's why we did it. Uh, not just because of me, but, um, as, as a team effort, we knew it would blow up. Um, we knew the, the, the C channel frame rail was going to be a huge hit because it was so close to the real deal. Um, we didn't think it would go as far as it has gone, but we knew that it would blow up. I, I've been surprised just over the years from what we originally built to how everything has evolved and how things have changed in the industry and even the other manufacturers that are out there, you know, our competitors, how they've kind of started to develop other scale vehicles and they're trying to, you know, they're picking their niche in the market and wanting to, to get a piece of the pie. I, I didn't think everybody would follow suit. That's for sure. You know, I, I thought we might be, be in a little bit of a niche market, but 
it, yeah, I, I didn't think it would go as far as it's gone. It, it's definitely gone, gone crazy. You know, there, there's been some competitors that have come out with really cool stuff. And then, you know, we're constantly, here we are on like, you know, the third generation of the SCX 10. And even when we put that on the plate, we were, we were, you know, focused on, okay, well, we have to make it better than the SCX 10 too. And we have to raise the bar in some capacity, you know, it, it, you don't want to follow that. Like I said earlier, you don't want to follow the competitors. You just want to do your own thing and make it the best vehicle that you possibly can and have all the features, you know, capture all the consumers that are looking for certain features. So it's, it's, it's been a fun ride, you know, just developing and developing and developing and, you know, you know, it kind of goes back to the whole, uh, you know, everybody used to say it like, oh, it's just another SDX-10 with a new body, new wheels, and new tires, or whatever, you know, and when are they going to come up with something new? And the funny part about that is even with real-world car manufacturers, if you look at it and they're just developing a, a ho-hum vehicle or they come out with something new, like I'll even say my my first car was you guys will probably never guess what it was, but my first car was a Chevy Chevette. And it was this little piece of junk. <laughs> little it was a Chevy Chevette and I think it was a Pontiac I don't know if it was a Pontiac. Maybe a, a, a Pontiac something something. I forget what it was. It was a couple of different names. But it was this little two door hunk of junk. And I came to find out later on after doing some research that it was an interim vehicle to produce revenue for Chevy to come out with an updated Corvette. That's all it was. That, that's the only reason they made the car. They didn't make it to try to, you know, compete with a Ford Escort or be the, the latest, greatest, awesome commuter or anything like that. So when, I guess what I'm getting at is when you see that Axial comes out with another SCX-10 II and it's got a new body, new wheels and tires, what you may not recognize is there's something big in the background happening, and that's just to keep the revenue mouse running along. You know, like, hey, here's a new product. You know, we got to keep it going in the background. Hey, here's something else coming along, you know, because the, the SCX-10 III didn't happen overnight, obviously. Oh, right. sure. Right. No, how long sense. can you say how long you guys were in development of that rig? Like when that project started? Mm, I think that one was all of just about two years. Wow. See, I thought that'd be really interesting for people to hear. Yeah, I th <laughs> I think so. It it had been in the works for quite a while. Which makes sense because, like, I mean, I think the number one. I guess you could say critique about the SCX 10.3 is everyone said, uh, why did the portals come out on this and not on something like the UMG 10? And now this puts you into perspective that the UMG 10 was already out on the trail while this was still being developed. So there was no way. Correct. Right. <laughs> it just couldn't happen. It, you know, and should we have maybe waited on the UMG 10? Maybe, but then are we missing the window to release a UMG 10. Right. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. So, nah, maybe, you know, it, it's hard to say it's, it's a balance game, you know, and, 
and guaranteed when, when we talked about the MT 10, we were all on board of it should have portals. But then when you start looking at the design board and the portals are not anywhere near being done, what do you do? You know? Well, there's not a lot of carryover from the two, the SCX 10, two to the three. Is there? I mean, it's no, 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 there's not. There, there's, I think maybe the internals of the axles might be the same. Some hardware. Uh, yeah, <laughs> some hardware. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, that the, might the, pin, be the pinion it. gears. Yeah. Like the pinion the and, the, and the ring and pinion, and yep. that's really about it. I mean, there's I nothing think, else that's the same. Yeah, I, I think that's about it. The trans is all new. They're They're... Yeah, I, I think everything is new except for maybe the ring opinion. There might be one or two other things, but uh, that's pretty rad. When you think about that, you know, it's like it's pretty easy to see why something like that would be, you know, a two-year development. Yeah, it, it definitely is a lot. And then, of course, along the way, you know, you do a design review and you're like, wait, we want to, we want to add this or we want to change that, or we want to incorporate <laughs> this, or we want to do that. You know, the the um sure I gotta look at it yeah so late to the game was the adjustable chassis yep mm -hmm. that was late to the design game was and that kind of oops sorry go ahead you, you can probably look at it and go well that's not an easy one to throw in towards the end of the design you know that's yeah you know, I mean uh, you got like, the oh crap yeah the floorboards and the sliders. I mean, there's a lot of things you got to take into consideration when you start stretching the length on something like that. Yeah. So yeah. was that a was that something Horizon was like adamant about because of the ascender that they wanted um, to add that on this or? Well, it wasn't that they were adamant about it. It was just it when you look at the SCX102 product and the yeah the SCX102 product, we had different wheelbase wheelbase lengths based on stretching the links, but we never really extended the chassis, right? And we were limited to shock position. So adding in the, the chassis adjustment gave us a different type of um, uh, wheelbase adjustment. And it was something that, that Viterra had, and we wanted to try to integrate something like that without copying Viterra because we mm -hmm. never want to do that. But they did have something that was a really cool, ingenious idea, you know. And so um, that was one of the things that we decided, hey, we need, to, we need to put that into the mix and see if we can make it happen. And how far backwards do we have to rewind the design wheel to get it put into the, to the design of the vehicle? Right. Wow, that's wild. Pretty cool. Yeah, you know, very. Awesome. Our last uh, question comes from Art Eastridge. Uh, it's a big one, so I'll get right in. He said, I'd like a little insight on the decision-making process when deciding what and what not to include with certain kits and RTRs. For instance, what's the reasoning behind including plastic bead locks with something like the Capra kit when the market shows that it's one of the first things people ditch, even if they use them at all? How was it decided to include that versus something like extra lengths for length options or a slightly lower price without the wheels included? Or even other decisions like how do you decide on which manufacturers to pursue licensing with? And then I'll ask the second question after. 
Okay. Yeah, cool. that's a lot. Um, yeah, that is a lot. Um, gee, let me see. So when it comes to what's included with a kid and not, it's just kind of uh, what we feel might appeal to the consumer for that particular vehicle. Um, plastic bead locks or glue-on tires or metal bead locks. Um, I'll say we're always trying to come up with a bead lock that people are going to want to continue to use, right? It's not the worst thing out there. Um, but, I mean, when it comes to wheels, quite honestly, look at the one-to-one -one world, the real world. You know, if you buy a car, what's the first thing the first two things that almost everybody does to a car if you modify a vehicle is wheels and tires and exhaust. Everybody does that almost. So yeah. when we do bead locks, we want to offer bead locks. We want to you know, be able to say that bead locks are included on most of the vehicles where it's applicable. But at the same time, we don't necessarily want to spend a bunch of money, I don't even know how to word that. We don't want to put true aluminum beadlock wheels on there in a mass production, which would raise the cost of the vehicle because we know everybody's going to wind up wanting to put their own signature style wheels on the vehicle. Right, yeah, you could include but, them, but everybody's going to, you know, you're going to have people complaining, right? oh, those aren't the ones I wanted, I wanted those to be the, yeah, not, yeah, why is it so expensive? Well, it's got, you know, whatever, <laughs> aluminum beadlock wheels on it, it's $650. Okay, well, it's priced too high. Okay, well, here's plastic ones, great. Now I want to replace them with my own wheels, or even if I pay the $650, i am going to replace them with my own Vanquish wheels or, you know, whatever, you know, like they're, they're going to do it anyway, so... It's kind of a tough one. When it, and the links, different link lengths, we've always talked about that. That's kind of a um, – we've, we've heard from both sides of consumers. We've heard, I don't like a bunch of extra junk in the box. I want the kit. I want to make it exactly like that. I don't keep a bunch of extra junk. But then we hear other people that are – I like the options so I can build it as I go because I want to build a different wheelbase. You know, like the builder's kit has the three different wheelbases in it. Um, it. It's a tough one to make every consumer happy. So we always try to kind of play off what we've been seeing online as of late, you know, or when we're in the discussions of, hey, let's put down on paper the project, you know, the scope for this project and kind of dial it in. Sometimes we make a scope for a project man and, and we think it's a hundred percent. And then next thing you know, it's not even close, you know, 18 months later, we're like, Oh my <laughs> gosh, we didn't even start with that. Like this is nowhere near what we started with, or we need to change it up because this is just not going to work 18 months later. Yeah. So it, it, it's a tough one. You know, you want to, you want to give the consumer as much as possible, but at the same time you, you want to keep the cost down. Sure. You know? Exactly. And then the, the what was the other part of that question? There was, there was one other thing on that question. Yeah, so we we kind of answered it already, it but it was just: Do you feel the utilization of the Losi factory has improved the quality of axial parts? Um, yes, and I think you're going to start to see that more and more and more across the board. Um, we don't just use one factory under Horizon; they have different factories to produce vehicles. 
Um, So you are going to start to see more improvements and you're going to see more improvements across the board, even through all the factories that we use. Um, It's not just one factory, but um, we're always striving to make our product better and we're always striving to make the, if, if it's a, whatever, a plastic link and we see on from one factory a plastic link is better than the other, well, we're going to, you know, leverage that against the other factory to try to say, you know, hey, you guys need to step up your game because this is the quality of product that we're looking for. Right. So, yeah, it's, okay. Um, yeah, we're, we're always trying to improve that. We want to improve our quality. We want our vehicles to be indestructible. However, I'll use an analogy that I, I read on the internet somewhere. A guy had an axial product. It was an SCX 10.3. He had an axial product, and he rolled it down a hill, and a part on the vehicle broke. And as you started to read through the comments or read through what broke and how it broke and this and that, I started to recognize something that that stood out to me. And this goes back to like, this takes me back to scale or HO slot cards. I don't know if you guys remember those or not, but I used to be heavily into HO scale slot cards, the AFX, Tyco, all that stuff. Um, Scale action, I guess you could call it, is, is a factor. So a 10th scale car rolling down a, 10 foot hillside is <laughs> how far in real life. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's sure, far. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right? yeah. 100 feet? That's, that's far. And so when somebody <laughs> says, my car rolled down a 10 foot hill and I broke a blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, let's imagine what your real car would do if it rolled down 100 feet. <laughs> yep. And, I started to think about it, and I'm like, you know, we it's funny. We, we try to make them indestructible. They're not bashers, per se. They're scale vehicles. Um, and, and I found that kind of it, – it hit home with me like, well, you just need to take a chill pill, dude, because I know if I rolled my Jeep down a 100-foot hill, it's going to be freaking totaled. I, I know that. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be a pretty sight. Yeah, that's the, the eternal thing that struggle. I really, really like about yeah, the thing I really like about the scale product or even the the crawler product is it's real. If you get it in a bind, if you overpower it, things are gonna break, right? You're you're gonna blow a drive shaft out. That's an awesome weak link to have in a scale vehicle because it's very easy to replace. Versus the knuckles, the tie rods the transmission, the, the T case, right? You don't want to be blown up gears in, in the rear ends and stuff like that. If the drive shaft twists, that's the indication. Learn from, from your driving style. That's the indication that you were driving too hard if you're blown out of drive shaft. It's not that the vehicle should be indestructible. It's you're driving it too hard. Yeah. Yeah, Which no, is a that's fair totally fair. It. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that that's a pretty good way to combat you know, any any person that's got an issue with something like that. I mean, it's pretty easy to shut them down when you put it that way. 
Yeah, the the SCX24 market is really heavily like that. There's a lot of people adding wheel weights and and doing this and doing that and you know adding all this weight to it. And to me, I, I look at it like again, like well, look how much weight you're adding to this little teeny tiny vehicle. Look at the size of the servo. Look at the size of the motor. Like the motors like a tape recorder motor and I mean, you know, oversimplified, it looks like a tape recorder motor. Like it's, it's tiny. It's not anything gnarly, you know, it's, it's just a little brushed motor and you put a pound up front. So you get a lot of traction to climb Hills. What do you think's going to happen to the little motor? It can't push all that weight. <laughs> yeah. I overweighted it. Well, we were seeing that for a while too, where like the, the, the hot trend for a little bit was just, Hey, let's just replace every part with brass. So we're going to have, brass yeah. steering knuckles and brass caster blocks and then we're also going to have um brass weights on the wheel and then they complain when the axle breaks off at the end and they're like oh they shouldn't have done that it's like well hold on <laughs> yeah you've got you've got three pounds out there on the end so here here's a funny fun fact for you you guys know the the pretty pretty penny rock crawler mm-hmm. yes. right that cody drives and and i spot for do you know how much weight Every, everybody knows you put wheel weights on RC cars. True, true, true to the one-to-one world as well. How much weight does Cody have in each front tire? And now I'm asking how much weight in the tire, not how much does the entire wheel, tire, and weight weigh. Oh, wow, I couldn't even imagine. I can't even take a guess at that. So I'll start with, with a, a, a hint of... Some people use water inside of their tires. Some people will use, I think I heard recently, beet juice is heavier than water. So they'll use beet what? juice. <laughs> I bet I that's a little true. gross at the end of the season. Yeah, <laughs> I, I heard it, yeah. So Cody runs lead shot. Really? So there's lead shot in the front tires. Any any guess of how much weight? Think about the RC car. How much weight do you put on your front tires and, and kind of multiply that? Oh so what, there's got to be like 20 or 30 pounds is what I'm guessing you're getting at, but that's probably overkill. Okay, so you're guessing 20, 30 pounds? Uh-huh. Anybody else? I'm scared. Yeah, that's pretty close to what I would think. I mean... Somebody I, said, who said I, I'm scared? <laughs> Trav. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fun fact of the night. 300 pounds of lead shot per tire. What? I had a right Holy to be scared. Crap. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Plus, plus the weight of the tire and the wheel itself. Mind Which you, has got to be wheel, substantial. Yeah, the wheel, I'm going to guess, has to be 50 pounds. It's, it's a 20-inch double beadlock wheel, so that's got to be like 50 pounds plus the tire, <laughs> which is a 42-inch BFG sticky tire, so that's got to be, I don't know, 120 pounds, I'm guessing. Oh, I don't yeah. Know how much they weigh. So you're talking 400, 500 pounds just in the wheel tire combination on each side of the vehicle. That's oh, insane. my God. That is gnarly. You know what's weird? I drove... I drove um, not the Jesse Haynes car, but the one before that that didn't have the rear steer. I got to try that at uh, Cisco one year. And okay. is, was that the name of that one that had the red wheels? Uh, no, that was Cody Cody's car. 
Yeah, yeah, Cody. It was the radio, Cody car. That was, uh, I remember if it had a name, but that was the um, the old one, the drag axle car, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I Did that one have weight in the wheels too, like inside yeah, the tires? in the front, yep. I never would have guessed because, like, you, you didn't hear anything moving around. You didn't feel anything weird and shifting. I mean, like, you didn't even notice, like, any kind of, it, it was weird. I, I never would have yeah. guessed. You'll, wow. you'll notice it if you get up to about 20 miles an hour or so. The the lead in the tire, the shot in the tire will get lopsided, and you'll get a wheel hop out of it. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because it, it'll stick in awkward places. But if you're just kind of slow rock crawling, yeah, you never, you'd never know that it, that it was there. What does the inside of the rim look like when you go to take all that apart? Like, I mean, lead soft, obviously, yeah, but aluminum yeah. is too. I mean. I, I don't know. Maybe it's polished. <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah, I'm, I'm thinking polished or just called dimpled or something. That's I'm going to bring really it up to Cody about. and say that's, that's going to be a new. Um, I mean, I'm sure somebody could figure it out, but that might be a good T-shirt giveaway. Yeah, no kidding. That is really cool. That. 300 yeah. pounds. Wow, that yeah. is just mind-blowing. I, I, would, I never, never would have guessed. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, most people will be like, what? That's a lot. And then oh. the air pressure. So the air pressure we run in that moon buggy is um, in between 6 and 8 pounds, 6 to 9 pounds. Wow. Of air pressure. That is That's not it. much. <laughs> no. Well, no wonder those things can do the impossible stuff that they do. I mean, it's yeah, just, just they're uh, just wrong, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so I got a question. What what uh what what's on your workbench? And uh, Adam and Jay and Travis, tell me one at a time. Let me know what are you guys working on? You you've asked me a whole bunch of stuff. So what are you guys working on? So who wants to go first? You can. <laughs> right. I, actually got, I actually got a couple things on the workbench. Um, so basically, I've now that I finally got my hands on the elusive uh, SCX 10.3 transmission gear, so I can um, get that thing geared down. I got that. Oh uh, yeah! By the way, you're you're lucky. I can't even get those. Just so, so you know, <laughs> I don't have any, and I need um, them. Okay, I'll I'll send you my secret source and see if they're still available. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I finally got those, got that done. Uh, so that was great. A nice weight lifted off because now I can actually use it. Uh, because, like I've said before, not having those gears with no reduction, that car, you have to hit everything really fast. There's no slowing it down. So, um, and then what else do I got? Uh, da, 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 da. Well, I have my UC fabric that's like a slow process, and recently I've been doing like a like a refresh, like a re like facelift on the my deadbolt. Um, I have an SCX102 deadbolt that I just picked mm. up some UC fab uh, a cage, oh cool, uh, and bumpers. So I think I'm gonna go through and kind of like do like a little mild upgrade because that car was pretty much bone stock. I have not done anything to it. Um, other than wheels and tires and a wrap from Jay, and that was it. So uh, it was one of those cars I, I wanted to use it in its, you know, like stock form to see how well it holds up. Um, but now I think I'm just going to give it a little facelift, but that's pretty much it. And if I get my hands on another SCX24, I'll have to add that to the list. <laughs> there you go. 
So Jay, there you go. I, I know what Jay has. Jay has an SCX24 on the bench, and he's working on a rasport. <laughs> well, that's definitely in the front of my mind now, though. No, um, I don't know. I got a lot going on for work and personal, too. So I'm putting together a 46 Power Wagon for Travis. It's a Element Enduro chassis because he just doesn't have the time right now because he's doing a lot of other stuff that I don't have the skill to do for work. So I'm doing that for him. Um, doing an old-school Toyota build that's almost wrapped up. It's a Proline SR5-based Enduro. Um, building a Scout Enduro. <laughs> These whoa, are, whoa. Kind of see it. Too many there, man. Yeah, I know, keywords. right? It's, it's, that's, well, that's why I was kind of like, Adam, you go first. <laughs> well, okay. Randall, we got okay. So Randall, if you don't know, Jay's on the. I think both of them are actually on the uh, team associated uh, team now. So oh, cool. that would that would be why. Um, yeah, where is a lot of enduro stuff happening? But we both race. Like our, racing has always been kind of our thing first and foremost. And we were with HB for several years and oh, yeah. uh, switched to Associated this past. What this past winter wasn't it, Trav? Yeah, it was. It was last fall. Oh, okay, so yeah, last fall. So we switched to Associated, and so the majority of the stuff I've been building has been based on their stuff. Um, right now, like the big project that I'm trying to finish up is a. Um, I I don't know if you could call it element based or not, but it, it's a one nine bomber, but it's got. Um, Element, Stealth X, Trans, and Axles underneath it, and I'm kind of just doing some little tweaks to it and stuff because I've always really wanted a solid Axle 194 rig, so I thought that'd be kind of fun. But no, it's mostly just a lot of work stuff, like tracing window openings for decal kits and stuff. There, there's been a few fun things I've gotten to do lately, like the the Tacoma and the SR5 and the bomber, but really everything else is just kind of like work display stuff, you know, make them all pretty and put stickers on for pictures and then rip it all apart and turn it into something else. Right. Speaking of that, before, before we hear from Travis, you, do you have the ability to print stickers on clear and on white backed? Yeah. Material. Uh huh. Hmm. Yeah. I do a, a, uh, and nobody knows about it, and I need, and it's my fault because I need to push them a little bit harder. But we do replacement window decal kits for like the axial XJ body, the JK body, so that you know when they start to get scratched up, you can just slap them back on there. And I'm gonna get a roll of, uh, they have a transparent window tint kind of smoky foil that goes on the Gerber Edge printer is what we use for the clear. And so we're gonna have some tinted uh, window decal kits too here shortly, but. Yeah, no, I mean, we do all kinds of clear stuff. uh, Take that conversation maybe offline later, um, and you can edit this part out. We we are always looking for somebody that can quickly produce some, I shouldn't say always, but we are looking for somebody that can, can quickly produce some prototype decals for us because a lot of times we get in a bind where, we need decals printed, and our vendors overseas cannot print it quick enough for us. Oh, that and makes sense. We need a source that can say, hey, yeah, I can print you whatever, 10 of those. Yeah, it, it's and, super easy, especially it. for small batches and stuff, because, like, the max width I can print is 11 and a half inches, which is plenty big for most RC stuff. 
Um, oh yeah, that's that's a ton. Hey, you remember uh, the Prospect Fever Axial Fest? Do you remember the big giant uh, Canyon cooler that was given away? The one that looked like a coffin yeah. and it had the gold yeah. and black. That that's that same machine that prints on clear. I did all the gold and black decals on it. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we'll we'll definitely have to talk off- offline and see if we can come up with something as a as an alternative. We we don't need it all the time. It's not for every project, but we we get a project now and then that it's like holy crap, we need some decals printed real quick because we need to make a photo vehicle and we just oh, yeah. need a source that we can kind of rely on. That's obviously obviously payable, but sure. um, a source we can rely on. Yeah, no, it's good easy stuff, dude. Anytime. Yeah, then we'll have to get you kicked off of that team association. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, it's funny. I've always teased Jay because um, now it's almost like the perfect. Like when we do this podcast, it's like yin and yang. I'm always, you know, hyping up the axial. He's always doing the team associated. So it's like a good balance. Yeah. Well, Jay, you've known Schultze for a long time too, right? Yeah, we we met well, not super long, but like we met him in 2016 at Axial Fest, and oh, okay. I was just right. super impressed with how accommodating you guys were for us and stuff. So yeah. we we had a lot of fun down there. Yep, he's he's a good dude. Yeah, yeah very. He's fun. Yeah, he definitely is. So what's what's on Travis's bench? Um. Well, nothing now because because <laughs> uh, all the you gave it all to Jay. Yeah, I mean, he offered to kind of take on the project just because I have just not had the time. So, and I'm 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 a little indecisive as far as what I want, you know, my particular build to look like. So sometimes it's just better if I just hand off the the creative side of it to him because, you know, more than any, more than likely, I'm going to end up liking it. So it's it's just it's easy to do that. So that way I can focus on work, and it's just it works out for everybody that way. Yeah. Right on. Pretty much it. Yeah, he he stays pretty busy, so he doesn't get to build a whole lot. No, it's hard to find the time. What do you do otherwise? What's that? I said, Travis, what do you do otherwise if you're not working on RC cars? What do you you mostly working on wraps and stuff, or what is it that you do? No, so so Dad handles all of the graphics, so I do pretty much all of the the sales correspondence at this point i work on the website oh, okay. also doing our our parts so basically just all of like the exterior stuff away from the actual design and like production of wraps and things like that so i just basically everything that he doesn't have the time to do i do <laughs> is more or less how it works out yeah so <laughs> trav does all of our like cad work and stuff like yeah. that and our hard parts oh, cool. he, he does all that and then trav communicates with the uh machine shop back in montana as far as like timelines and quotes and things like that so he handles all the hard parts and then i handle all the semi-pretty stuff nice yeah so it's right a good on. system yep yeah, yeah that's cool it's pretty fun. There's really not much that we don't bounce back and forth off each other. Like nothing really happens without it being like a discussion between yeah. the two of us. So I mean, it's well, su- super fun. We do the best we can too because you know obviously it's his full time gig, but it's not my full time gig. I work for a uh, I work for a drone and and gimbal company as a nine to five. So we kind of have to oh, coordinate okay. back and forth that way. As far as we pretty much always sure. are working at different times. I I just got into drones. My my son, so I flew a bunch of little 
you know, office quadcopters and stuff like that when, when we were under the, um, the, the tower hobbies brand and I was never really good. I, I don't have the patience to really fly. Um, I'm, I'm kind of twitchy and, uh, <laughs> I had been watching, um, my son fly a, a Mavic pro and I was like, you know, man, that would be super cool to have on trail. And, and, you know, when I go full scale Jeep in and this and that, and I started talking to him about it and he was telling me about the capabilities and how it has a tracking feature and this and that. And he's like, they're not really that hard to fly any, you know, it's not hard to basic fly. It's, it's hard to fly good, but it's, it's not hard to basic fly and this and that. And I'm like, all right, well maybe I'll check it out. And, and so he brought it over and gave me a quick one, two, three tutorial here in the alleyway and, you know, sent me on my way and I took it out camping with me one weekend weekend and I was going to try to fly it. And, you know, I'm sitting there like, okay, I'm going to fly that thing. And, and then I look at, well, it's $1,500. And if I lose it, I'm out $1,500 and it's my son's like, I, I don't want to, so I, I chickened <laughs> out. I never flew it. Right. I'm like, I don't know what, I don't even want to risk it. And so then I, I finally took it out another time and flew it and started to get the hang of it. And it was, you know, the whole while I'm like, well, if I like it enough, I'll, I'll just buy one and I'll, I'll have my own to fly. Well, it's probably been four months and I still have his drone here and I'm still using it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. The GPS so, feature yeah. is pretty cool. The whole following thing. That's, that's pretty neat. Well, that's the nice part about drones yeah. mostly is that a lot of them these days, you can pretty much pre-program almost anything. So that's what I really wanted to do was just get, get a hang more of, of the tracking feature and, and the pre-program feature and stuff like that and, and just set it up and let it, let it do its thing. Yeah. You know, I, I was like, these things are, the capabilities are amazing to me now, you know, understanding how GPS works and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, this thing's, this thing's radical. Yeah. Like just the, the way that it, that it can fly, it can hold position. It, you know, it's obviously more runtime would be good, but whatever, you know, 15, yeah. 20 minutes is, is plenty good for, for some good action footage. Yeah, oh, yeah, we never sure. run ours without a laptop on the ground. Just that way, we are able to do anything with it. So it's pretty crazy the different features and everything else that you can do with drones now. As far as they, they, because they, it's intimidating. Like you said, like it's okay. This is fifteen hundred dollars, or in the you know in the case of what I do day to day, you're talking anywhere from eight to twenty thousand. So. Right. If someone, you know, if someone messes up, that's a bad day for a lot of people, not just the person who was flying it. <laughs> so, so it's exactly. nice to, you know, it's well, adaptive for everybody who otherwise probably couldn't do it before. Yeah. And in a lot of the places that I would take it to go fly are usually obscure or it's off the mountainside. And if it does go down, it's, it's non-recoverable, right? Like, yeah you'd have to go backpacking to go and get it. And I'm like, dude, I just don't want to lose this thing. And, and, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, I flew it off the coast for five miles. And it was out in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> oh my God. It'll come back. No big deal. I'm like, you're insane. That's dude. crazy. Like, yeah. What are you doing? It's five miles away. If it goes in the drink, you're done. Like, I'm like yeah, well, you know, it'll come back. I'm like, okay. Not oh. me, man. I'm going to keep it kind of close. Yeah, I entirely understand. <laughs> the, the ones that Trav builds are like cinema ones, you know, that they oh, use in Hollywood yeah. and stuff. So they're yeah. like the size of a Volkswagen bug. Like they're just massive. That's yeah. crazy. No, it's, it's pretty sweet. 
But yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so are any of you guys going to Axial Fest? Uh, Badlands? No, I'm not going to be able to swing it. We're hoping mm-hmm. Proline by the fire. We're trying to somehow coordinate the th- to have all three of us get down for by the fire because I think that'd be really fun. Nice. You know how it goes day to day. Are you guys, so you guys kind of talking about going to Axial Fest Badlands or anything? Like if it happens next year, would you guys go? Uh, you know, it depends a lot on work for us. Like, the problem is, is, like, A-Main's our biggest customer, and they keep me so busy, and I'm constantly trying to improve turnaround time for them, and I just, this year, it just, I haven't had the free time to really do stuff like that. They have kept us really, really busy, but... I don't know. I think with enough planning and stuff next year, that would be really cool. I mean, I, I've, I'm always down to travel to go crawling somewhere, so I think it'd be pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, and hopefully we'll... Yeah, I was looking forward to Were you? Yeah, yeah well, about no, uh, it's Axial Fest Donner. Like, I was, yep. like, all set. That's why I rushed, got the SCX 10.3, was trying to have the axle conversion done before everything, and then I was like, oh, the rush is now over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was really a bummer. Hopefully we'll have Donner back next year. You know, I, I don't know. We, we've always talked about the whole Cisco Grove thing, and um, Cisco Grove, obviously, if you guys haven't ever been back up to it, it's completely different than what it used to be, and we'll never go back there because it's such, oh, a no. such a different company and an environment now. It'll it'll never go back to Cisco. Oh, that's too bad. So, yeah, Shoot. but, you know, like, the terrain differences, I, I think the terrain at Donner is better. You know, I, I think Donner has a, a better variety. I think with tent camping, because that's what we did the first time we were there, I think... It was kind of nice being at Cisco because you're like a stone's throw away from, you know, bathroom, shower, all that stuff. So we yeah. got kind of spoiled by that one. Yep. But Agreed. Agreed, I, totally. It's because it was a campground. Yeah, know? it was It was yeah. pretty rad. But now we're, we got a uh, rooftop tent for our truck and stuff, so now we're a little better equipped to where, if, you know, if it's back at Donner, we can go and do that now. Oh, you're an overlander now. Yeah. Uh, not really. <laughs> like I have it, but like there's a there's a scale RC park that I volunteer a lot of time at here, and I I basically got it for just staying the night there on weekends so that I didn't have to keep nice. driving back and home, you know, back and forth that's, to my house. That's that's our joke between Rich and I because Rich Rich does have a rooftop tent and you know he's got a Tacoma and this and that and and I don't have a rooftop tent <clears throat> and I have a Jeep and we we have this constant battle back and forth of, you know, giving him a hard time because he's got a rooftop tent and so he's an overlander and, and I'm not an overlander and, and this and that and we're, we're always joking back and forth about giving each other a hard time, you know. Yeah, so it's it definitely was, been when, fun. Yeah, when we did um, when we did the launch video for the SCX 10.3, it was actually a lot of fun. That was probably the, the first time that Rich and I really hung out. Um and, and we spent, I, I don't know, I think it was almost a week out on location doing, you know, video shooting for the SCX-103. Really? Was yeah. That, wow. That was a lot. That's a lot of time. 
I mean, yeah, I get I, it. It's like you record for, yeah. you know, five hours and you have 15 minutes of usable footage. I mean, I, I know it sure. works. But... Well, yeah, and you got to drive to location, so each location is, you know, different. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we drove out there on a Monday and we shot Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we drove back on Friday. That might have been it. But either way, it pretty good know, work week. That's pretty rad. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was it was pretty rad. Yeah, I can't so, be mad about that. Yeah, matter of fact, I can say that. That's where he's at right now is is on a location doing some video shooting for a new product. Right. So, oh, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, and I don't know if you'll really be able to answer this or not, but before we before we go, I, I wanted to make sure I didn't forget this. The LaserNut Armada car coming out under the low C banner. <laughs> I'm sure you knew you were gonna. You expected. To I was. About that. I was almost ready. To, I was almost thinking I got away with it. So, <laughs> if it's um, something you can't talk about, totally understand. Not a big deal. Um, I I can, I can give you very little details. Um, I can say yes, it's true. I can say, you will know a lot more next week. Before the end of the week next week, you will know oh. a lot more about it. And I can say it's freaking badass. It looks if you, sick. If you've never owned a Losi product, which I never have, I would buy that. I would buy that full pop just so I could have it because it is that legit. I want it just to look at even. Like it I just is, want it for a shelf. It looks perfect. Yeah. It, like it down is, to the wheels, up. even the wheels are even yeah. right. There, it is a low C product. Um, I I can say the low C brand was a better fit for that car than the Axial brand. Um, hmm. It had been in the pipeline for Axial for a long, long time. I, I mean, you know, Cody and I oh, are very yeah. good friends, and and it had been in the pipeline for a long time, and we just finally decided. Once the acquisition took over and all that stuff, we finally decided, hey, this is this is a Losi brand product, not an Axial brand product. Wow. Um, and so it, it went down that road. It's I was involved in the video shoot, and it was freaking rad, like to be a part of it. Um, I was super impressed. I've driven the car. I've, I've driven the car a couple of times and both times I, I was just like, dude, this thing is, this thing is rad. Like it is considered a U4 car. Um, it can be a basher. It can be a fun toy. Uh, I've seen it take some pretty gnarly hits and it just kept on going. So next week you'll, you'll see it all. And, and next week, dude, you guys, you guys are going to be floored by the launch video. Oh, can't wait! That's I, be I so cool because it floored me. I was like, "Holy cow! This is this is rad." So, um, yeah, next week the cattle come out of the bag. Um, it is a true vehicle. It, I know some people were like, "Is that true or not?" It is true. It is different. Um, not to be confused with with the UC Fab car. They're two totally different vehicles. <clears throat> so, um, this will be. Uh, I don't know. Did it? Did it? Uh, I can't remember. Oh well, I, I won't answer it. But uh, <laughs> that's all right. It's a beauty. That's it, all. Dude, yeah, needs to it, know. it is. It is fantastic. It's a really killer looking car. It performs very well. It's. 
I think gonna me personally, I think it's gonna do very well in the segment, and um, I think a lot of people will be very appreciative of the quality of the car. It's it's rad. That's great. Very cool. So, I, and I'll tell you, when you watch the launch video, I'll say, well, how do I put it? Uh, I'll just say I was not the RC car driver. Okay. <laughs> or, I'll just leave it at that. I'll keep that in mind then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be it's it's pretty rad. It's it's it'll be coming out next week before the end of the week, and I think it's going to be a huge hit for the brand and a huge hit for, uh, as we spoke earlier, the the replica side of things. Yeah, which we obviously with our business we're like a huge fan of the replica side of stuff, so it's like kind of our bread oh. and butter, so we love seeing that. That just reminded me. That was the other question that the last question the guy asked. He he asked um I forget his name, maybe Art. I, I don't remember his name. The last question you guys were talking oh, about. Oh, Art Eastridge. Okay. He asked how do you decide what partners to work with? Hmm. That's right. That was and, and that is a really good question. So I kind of go back to that. Um, primarily, it just depends on our relationships that we have with people. Um, me personally, I have a lot of relationships in the one to one world. So depending on the projects that we're working on, we kind of will. What we'll do is it's kind of based on who we know for one, but for another, we'll look at it like, well, what are we building? What are we going to bring to market and what fits with that style of vehicle? So, for instance, if uh, there's a suspension manufacturer that manufactures mainly for Toyota trucks, we're not going to try to reach out and do a partnership with that guy on a Jeep product. Right. Right. We're, we're going to be like, well, they don't really do that. Or let's say there's a seat manufacturer, like we we use PRP, we have a partnership with PRP seats, or PRP. If we're doing a vehicle like the Jeep, you know, the, the SCX-10 3 Jeep or whatever, and it doesn't really have seats, and it actually the SCX-10 3 interior, by the way, I think is freaking kick butt. That's super, super rad. Rich did a really good job on that. Um, if you're, you're doing a product like that and it doesn't really utilize the, the PRP seats or the PRP seat belts or anything like that, we'll typically shy away from something like that. So we look at what we're going to build and then we start to determine, okay, well, here's the partners that are already involved in that style of vehicle or not. Um, and then also if we're doing a replica, a lot of times on a replica build, we're going to start reaching out to that replica's partners or um, whatever replica we're building, we're going to use them to get to um, the partners and, you know, the other smaller sponsors and, and reach out to them and say, hey, we need to work on using your logo. And if it's a wheel manufacturer, hey, we want to redesign that wheel. If it's, you know, bumpers and, and whatever, tire carriers, hey, we like these particular products. Um some of them, quite honestly, we've we've just found online like, hey, that looks really cool. It's a good fit for our product. I think the JCR stuff that we did on the um, XJ, yeah, 
the Cherokee, I think that stuff was just kind of on a whim. Like we looked at it and we were like, this stuff looks really cool on the XJ or on the Cherokee. Let's reach out to them and see if we could do something. So it, it, it kind of varies, but we, and then you, you wind up building a reputation or a relationship with the guys and um, build a relationship with the guys. And then you want to start to use them a little bit more here and there and here and there where it's applicable. Right. So exactly. One thing we do keep talking about doing, and it and it hasn't come out yet, but one thing we do talk about doing is through our partner relationships is coming up with a decal sheet that has all of our partner stuff on it because we have the right to do it. Right. That is one of the things that people ask me all the time for, and it's like, yeah, dude, I I would love to offer that, but it's like that is you know. 25 phone calls and being put on hold <laughs> and getting so-and-so's email address. Yep. And I mean, it's yeah, it's just, you, you know, know. By the, yeah. And they don't, you know, by the time it's all said and done, it's not worth the 10 bucks it's going to retail for or whatever, you exactly. know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah it's, yep. it's, it's hard to tell people no, and they don't always understand why. Yeah. And, and for us, that's why we have not done a sticker pack. Adam, you might even re recall wanting it or asking about it before. And we've, uh, we, we just haven't done it because it, it is a lot of work. Even with all the partnerships, if you put it on a decal sheet, you got to go back and get their approval, right? You can't just produce their logo without them knowing. Yeah, um, right. And so you got to get their approval. So if you put, like you say, 25 guys, 25 different companies on a decal sheet, you got to send it out to all 25 people and say, is this cool? And then you got to wait for all 25 to come back and say, yeah, it's cool. And then... What's the cost of the decal sheet? What's what's the you know the retail going to come back at? And is it really really worth it? You know. Yeah. So what we try to do is we try to make decal sheets and the spare parts bodies a little bit more flavorsome, per se. Mm -hmm. You know, to where there's a few extra or a few this or that or. You know, a couple of extra little things. We we've always tried to get a little bit creative and come up with with some extra little goodies to just try to keep the consumers happy. Which that stuff's really cool. I think it it's underappreciated, definitely. But I think it's rad. I mean, like the 2012, uh, you know, the original like 2012 JK body. That the sticker sheets that came with that was rad. Like there was so many different things in there and. You know, you can right. go for different looks, light decals, dark decals. I mean, it was really cool, and so much of that stuff goes unnoticed. Yeah, and it and it goes, if you don't give it enough focus, you lose it, you forget about it, and it goes away, and then all of a sudden people kind of recognize, like, whoa, how come you don't have enough decals anymore? Like, <laughs> it, it, and, it's, and it's, well, we're, you know, we're as product developers and the engineers and bringing product to market happens so fast now that you try to cover all the bases and, and a lot of times you might skip a step and yeah. one will have it and one won't. And there's really no explanation other than you just ran out of time. Like, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the deadline came and here's what you got. You know, like, hey, yeah. decals are due. Okay, here's what we got. Okay, time to move on. You know, next. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can't really have something like that hold up or release at all. So right? it makes sense, yeah. Yeah, you don't want it to, to delay the release date, that's for sure. Yeah. 
Well, I think we're probably getting close to our time here, aren't we, guys? Oh, I think, I think we're hitting to, around almost two hours. Yeah, we're a little yeah, over Are going to be able to chop this down to two minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there'll be a whole lot of editing we'll need to do. How, I guess, how long are your podcasts normally? An hour? You hour and a half. Down? Yeah, okay. hour and a half, two hours. You rarely right chop them, though. We usually stay, yeah, we usually stay around the hour and a half. We've had a couple short ones just because, like anything else, there's some weeks there's not a whole lot to talk about. Um, when we have a guest, it tends to go a little bit longer because there's so much more to cover and so much more to talk about. But those are everybody's favorites, though. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I need to keep you on the line here for a minute after we say goodbye to everybody because um, there was a question I had for you. But uh, yeah, Sarah Goodbye is here, and thank everybody for tuning in, and uh, I'm sure you guys will really uh, have enjoyed this episode as much as we have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully you can have me back in, in a little while when there's more stuff to talk about. Heck yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Take her easy, everybody. All right, see you guys.